0: Welcome to the batman book club a podcast exploring the dark knight library i am your host ryan lauer the batman book club is a proud member of the batman podcast network hosted by batman on film just go to batmanonfilm.com click on Podcasts, and you'll find the batman podcast network that has a whole list of other bat related shows that also love to frolic and other nerdy subjects that we all like to talk about yeah there we go let's say that uh the batman book club is also on patreon if you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study, just go to patreon.com slash And Thank you for listening to episode 120, Joker. Joining me for the first time on this show, uh, a gentleman who I got to meet in person a few months back. He arrived. He was the hero we needed at the time, and he saved us to make a mighty beer run to the Kroger down the street. It is one Sir Trey Jackson. Trey, welcome to The Batman Book Club.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to uh, provide the essentials on that trip because we didn't need it.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm referring to what I've referred to a lot on here of the, uh, the Batman Watch party down in Texas earlier this year that all of us got together, and yeah, we got back from a, a late night cookout, and Trey had just arrived at the hotel and we wanted to hang out, but we had nothing to drink. And Trey said, "I have a car to the Batmobile." So we were like, "Hey, Trey, awesome. Let's go. So, um, that's, yeah, this, so this is the first time I've got to talk to you in person since that weekend, which was a blast. Um, and then that weekend is when I, I told you that I wanted to have you come on the show if you would accept the invite and you said, yes, and you told me your pick and all that stuff. Um, I never forgot you, Trey, I promise. Sitting well, here I we really are. appreciate it. <laughs> Very course. much appreciate it. Yes. Um, before we get to that though, I have to ask you, since this is your first time on the show. Trey Jackson, what is your favorite Batman story?
1: Well, I knew this question was coming. <laughs> so I went back and revisited two of my favorites. Um, so I went back and revisited Arkham Asylum okay. and Dark Victory because I was trying to pick okay, which All one right. do I have to go with? I think if we're being technical, my favorite mm-hmm. story is probably Dark Victory. Yeah, I really like the vibes in Arkham Asylum, but I love the story in Dark Victory, especially the inclusion of Robin.
0: Nice.
1: Does it still
0: get you every time you read Dark Victory that you sort of, I don't even know if you want to say forget, misremember, uh, how Mm -hmm. long you get into the book until Robin shows up?
1: Yeah, because... He's right there on the cover, yeah. <laughs> so, he, so he, you think he's going to show up sooner, but they do plant seeds pretty early on that, you know, sure. that man's feeling pretty lonesome. He needs mm-hmm. someone to, you know, actually talk to and come alongside him, so I think it builds up to him pretty organically. Yeah. Uh, and I do love the few pages where it's mirroring uh, Bruce's flashback to his childhood and then Robin going through the same thing, talking to Alfred. Yeah. So, yeah, I can good I can stuff. see
0: him now. Beautiful stuff. art from the great
1: and missed Tim Sale. Oh,
0: yes. R.I.P. Um, yes, that's a good that's a good call. I do understand many people uh, are probably the long Halloween might be the Ohio State of the uh, Batman <laughs> comic world, and that people get sick and tired <laughs> of hearing all about. Uh, the long Halloween on this show talking to you Paul Herman or by favorite Batman stories being picked and it's always the long Halloween so I I respect your pick because um, episode 50 last year where we did our top 10 favorite Batman stories Dark Victory was on there and it wasn't that far mm-hmm. behind the long Halloween so yeah. um, I, I love that story uh, our pal Garrett Grav loves that story as he was on this show the first time he was on the show we talked about Dark Victory so yeah, yeah. I remember Solid the
1: episode. Pick. You do well done. I'm a I'm married to a beautiful Ohio State fan, so I won't comment on a comparison. <laughs> but I will say that I love how Dark Victory has all the same kinds of twists and turns and intrigue, but it incorporates mm-hmm. Robin as well. So that's kind of what puts it puts it sure. up the top for me.
0: Gotcha. That's excellent. I think um, I I I regret nothing in bringing up Ohio State. <laughs> Other than the fact I almost threw up in my mouth saying their name twice, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a that's a fine pick. I appreciate that pick, um, and I think you debating between Dark Victory and Arkham Asylum has me like I'm surprised by you, Trey Jackson. Really? Yes. Really? And I'll get into that as soon as we get into uh, the book of choice. And I'll explain all of that. So let's go ahead and let's just dive into Joker. Joker. Now, this story, written by Brian Azzarello, with art by Lee Bermejo, was released in 2008 in a hardcover. It's since been re- released in a trade paperback, a deluxe hardcover, um, it was part of an Absolute uh, Edition package. It's available on DC Universe Infinite, and it is on my favorite app of all time, Hoopla. Trey, for this uh, for this episode, what version of Joker did you read?
1: I have, and I'm showing you now, the Ooh. Black Label re-release. Um, yeah. It's actually a bit of a cautionary tale. So Ooh. I bought the original hardcover back in okay. 2008, and I loaned it out to someone, and this is why I have to come to the library and learn from the librarian about how to properly how to properly loan out your books so that oh, you get no. them back. <laughs> so that has been. Uh, I hope whoever has it was enjoying it, uh, but for this one, I have the black label re release. So
0: never rub another man's
1: rhubarb. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, that's too bad. I don't like that friend. Whoever took
1: it how dare they um if i remember got... who they were i might be i might go after them
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's let's send out a search a search party let's track them down um i read my original bought on first day hardcover that is because i will brag about this until the day i die it's not oh it's hard to see here but it is signed by libra mayhill himself more on that later um
1: you should brag about that this Every is
0: the, this is surprisingly the only version of this that i have i hmm. as much of like the absolutes that i love uh i i hesitated on getting the absolute edition which it was partnered up packaged with uh luther man of steel also by azarello and bermejo and yeah i hesitated on it and the next thing i knew everybody was sold out so now you know uh sell a kidney and you can you can buy it online and
1: yeah I don't
0: think I'm ready to do that yet.
1: (laughs) Well, the autograph makes up for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That makes me feel like I'm walking on water. Uh, Do you remember the first time that you read this story? I don't need exact day, time, where you were, but as far as, you know, first release, couple years down the road, et cetera.
1: I picked it up in 2008 when it was released. Um, I remember it kind of, it seemed like it caught people kind of by surprise about Mm -hmm. how big a deal it was but in retrospect I'm not sure why because the Dark Knight had come out earlier that year so anything to do with Batman especially that was quality was going to get a lot of attention so yeah I remember reading about it and reading when it was coming out and heading Mm -hmm. to the bookstore and picking it up Uh, I don't know if it was the day of release but not long after maybe within the first week and Reading it right then and then revisiting it a couple of times. And yeah, it's quite an experience yeah. to read this book.
0: Yeah. I remember I did because this was, as I've referred to on here, I was I was making my own money at this point. I was uh I was, I actually had multiple comic shops where I was living at this point. And so I was definitely I was at the comic shop every week and I had seen that this was coming and it's like oh this is a self-contained like batman comic book story not just a single issue like this is a full story and okay it's called joker uh and at this point i know that i had become familiar with Bermeo from the two exclusive you know uh illustrations he did for bof mm-hmm. of the yeah. um the joker and the 2 Face ones yep. um so I, and I was really, I thought, wow, oh, man, that's some, that's his twisted style. That's, that's awesome. I don't think I'd read Luther yet. Uh, I don't think I'd seen much of, of Bromeo's stuff at, at that point, but I just knew it's a self contained story. So I think I was there day of release and I bought it and then came home and read it right away. And we'll get into my feelings on that. Yeah. Um, and this is where, just like I said a couple minutes ago with the Arkham Asylum comment, Trey Jackson, you are a very uh, kind soul. You're a very, (laughs) as Garrett would say, a learned gentleman uh, meeting you down in Texas and us talking and stuff. You're very calm, cool, collected, and you really caught me off guard when I asked if you you would like to come on the show, and you said yes, and you said Joker, because now it's like, whoa, (laughs) is there more to Trey Jackson than we all know, people? So my question is, why Joker?
1: Well, I hope I didn't catch you off guard by wanting to come on the show. That was certainly.
0: <laughs> no, not at all.
1: <laughs> um, honestly, there's a very boring practical reason that I can oh, share okay. first. Uh, it's one that was not on your list of books you'd covered yet. And okay. I was kind of surprised at that. So I was like, okay, this is a book that I have been familiar with ever since it was released and feel okay. like I could, you know, talk about it at length. So there's that reason, mm-hmm. but also. I this book is a is a tough one Mm -hmm. I really I think it does exactly what it sets out to do and does it really well and it's kind of it's it's tough to read through in the way that it's trying to be Like, like that's its mission is you're reading through it and you're just like absolutely disgusted with this person and you are intrigued by what makes them tick and do the things they do and you're following it along and wondering when is batman going to show up yeah um, what kind of you know city is this that they live in and it's i i i don't say this as a criticism okay. it is kind of hard to get through but okay. I appreciate that because I think it is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I love Ramejo's artwork. I've always loved him. I think every, everything he does is just incredibly striking, detailed, wonderful to look at. Um, the story, it's, it does have some, some weak points. But like I said, overall, I think it accomplishes exactly what it wants to accomplish. And I respect that.
0: Mm-hmm. You wanted a challenging discussion and you knew that there was no way I would say, no, And it was a, uh, Mayo uh, book, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, summarize it well. And I think that'll lead into our discussion, um, for sure. And I do think the book, it is, pre- it's pretty damn dirty. Yes, like it's a very dirty book, yes. but like you said too, like that's what they were trying to do, and not—I mm-hmm. don't think—exploitative. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that was their approach. It was like, let's just see how gross we can make it. There was a point, yeah. and then going as far as that they did with the Joker, and uh, I'm excited to talk, like to to go through the evolution of this story and hit on some of those points because I have some questions for you too because I don't know how many times I've read this book. Um, it's been quite a few. And I think there are still some things in which I think many people would say, that's a good thing. There are still some parts of it that I don't have figured out. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: so um, to ask uh, a professor of your, like uh, of your stature, some of these questions, (laughs) maybe shed a little bit of light on this. And so I think a little bit of backstory and Lee Bermeo and uh, Brian Azzarello, they've, they haven't been shy in uh, talking about the origin of Joker in that Luther, Man of Steel, uh, came out a few years prior to this. I don't know if, I don't know exactly what year, if it was 2005, 2006. Um, and I think it was like a six issue series. And for, they didn't get specific on, but there's like a myriad of reasons that that became a difficult book to produce. And I think, uh, they both kind of said our our friendship is more important than us, like maybe clashing by working together. So let's vote we don't work together and let's remain friends. And then flash forward to, I think they said it was like a San Diego Comic-Con and, you know, there's like a, you know, a big dinner at a restaurant or something and Bermeo uh, and Azarello were at the bar and apparently DC had wanted them to do a whole series of these books on the justice league supervillains so they already did luther lex luther and then they were trying to they were just talking back and forth about you know who even are they and they just kept coming back to joker so then they started to talk more about well if we did do it we could do this if we could and it just snowballed into an idea and then joker was born so in it, it, it's interesting also because it was it was supposed to almost like It's weird in in reading different snippets, it was supposed to be a continuation of what Luther kind of was in the sense of standalone stories of these villains, but it was also supposed to, then the idea was launch a Joker-verse where they were doing Batman villains in this position. And then in one of the, I think it might've been the deluxe uh, the deluxe edition or maybe the art of Lee Bermejo book where there is an image of joke like that Bermejo drew and it said it was supposed to be for like the second issue of the Joker verse series or something like that and then uh, Brian Azzarello well another part that's funny is in one of his introductions for I think it was in the maybe it was in your the trade paperback you have or maybe it was the recent deluxe edition that This was actually going to continue like so. It was Lex Luthor colon Man of Steel, and this was going to be Joker colon Dark Knight. And then they, I guess, they went ahead and just and next to that. So there we are. There's a little bit of of backstory on that. Now, my one rule: this isn't. You got close, and tonight you're gonna break your one rule. (laughs) This is not a Batman. Uh, starring book Mm -hmm. now trey i know you know the rules of this show for a book to apply and be covered batman has to have importance to the story Mm -hmm. given the a book that came out after joker i think that emphasized the importance of batman in this book so i'll allow it (laughs) Well, thank you. Glad we don't have to talk about Batman for a bit because we can get through the whole story of Joker. And we are going to spoil the hell out of this book. So if you haven't read it and you want to, uh, press pause. Come back later after you read it. Now take it away, Trey Jackson. What yeah. do you want to talk about with Joker?
1: Spoilers for a 14-year-old book. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was looking at my copy of Luthor, I uh, believe 2005. is when 2005. okay. when it came out, yeah. And yeah, the Luthor subtitle was Man of Steel. I I read that um, they originally, you know, were going to go with Joker, Dark Knight. And because of the movie, DC was like, "Uh, that would be that would be a little confusing. So,
2: yeah, but
1: I read that, too. Makes sense. Um, So let's see where to start. I guess we should just start uh, at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's see So right away, we'll probably do this a lot. Sure. Bermejo's art is just phenomenal.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's just go it. with, with yes. the
0: main the main guy here. Yeah. Bermejo is incredible. Yes. So if you've ever listened to an episode of this show, you know where I stand on that. And if this is your first time, Lee Bermejo is my favorite comic book artist. Yeah. Um, current as in uh, living... R.I.P. to Norm Brayfogle, who is also uh, with Lee Mayo as my favorite artist, uh, comic book artist, in which I got to have for episode 100. Lee Mayo was on this show and it's all connected, Trey, because Mm -hmm. the first, I think he said the first professional artist he ever met was Norm Brayfogle.
1: And I was like, what? Oh my God, it's all connected. (laughs) Mind's blown. Of course it is. It's
0: comic. Yes. So, okay. Yes. His art is fantastic. Um I'm going to brag again. Thanks yeah. to Bill on Batman on Film, I got to meet Lee in person in 2019. Um at a comic shop in Chicago and got to have a one-on-one with him, which was amazing. And with and then with that interview, I did bring up the fact I think there was a small snippet in the Art of Lee Mayo book talks about his influence of, um, of, a, an artist. And it almost looks like he used in that almost, it seemed like pixels to
1: mm-hmm. create
0: images, like specifically on Lex Luthor himself. And that, that I feel like was the first tease. And then in Joker, it goes to, he goes, I guess, two steps further even and inserts images of very realistic Mm-hmm. Um, like painted realistic. And it's, and it's in and out from that look too. Um, I don't even want to say like a more comic book style, but no. a little bit more animated. Yeah. Not as realistic style. And so the, the, the thing I said, I'm sorry, I'll read this and then I'll shut up. I, I did ask him about that. And I said uh, that, I think the biggest evolution of your artwork between like Joker and Batman Noel is that basically this step in Joker was in and out of this realistic look and not, and Noel from beginning to end was this realistic style. And then from then on, it seems like what he does is the realistic style. And he'd said, I'd I'd started trying that style on a book called Global Frequency years before that. And the reason this is like that is because I had this theory that I would control the rhythm of how people read the story. So if something was a little bit more rendered and painted, I thought that maybe they would focus on that image a little longer. So it would create a rhythm for the storytelling. And then when I finished that, the thing I learned was I don't want to control the rhythm. I want to let the reader do that, you know? So then that's the reason I did the story entirely in one style. Batman I Noel well, in the one style. I don't want to tell you how to read the book or try to control anything other than just the basic storytelling. So that's an interesting experiment that he went on. And then like a self-realization too, of, of, I don't want to tell you what to think. Mm. I want you to do it however you do. And I think that that is, that is a very artistic approach. And I do take a lot of appreciation for, um, you know, movies, TV shows, comics uh, novels and stuff that do that where it doesn't provide you all the answers. It's, well, what do you think happened? How did you take it? And in, in the end, those, for a lot of people that can be frustrating, but then for just as many people, it can be, well, it's always going to be a winner because what happens then is in your head. It's your, yeah. like, it's almost like it becomes your story in a sense you decided the fate. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that, that's, that's true of this book too. I mean, there's a lot of things that, and we can get into it as we go through it, but some things that are. Kind of open to interpretation about which way it actually goes and how to actually read the scene. Um, so I'm listening to Bermejo talk on this show and elsewhere. Uh, another artist that he's mentioned as influential is Norman Rockwell, who's one of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a comic book, although he did um, for years did magazine covers. Yeah. Um, but for anyone, if you're familiar with Rockwell, I mean, if you're not, you know, take a minute, look his stuff up. You'll recognize you him.
0: You know, you know who Norman Rockwell is. Even if you don't know, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Rockwell had this great way of portraying a mostly realistic style, but it was kind of like hyper-realistic. And
2: uh-huh.
1: he had a way of using a picture to tell like a complete story. Um, There's just you know, and you had to do that with your mm-hmm. designing magazine covers. So Bermejo kind of picks up on that. Um, his use of texture and detail really kind of implies like how a character might be moving through the scene and, you know, how some, how characters in the background are moving. And it really, it's really immersive. Um, and that's just, to me, the art is just the star of the book, honestly, it's it's why I keep coming back to it as, as often as I do because we've you know like we've said the the story itself is can be kind of on purpose difficult to get through it's it's a very harsh story harsh reality that they're living in but the artwork is just you don't ever get tired of going back to it at least I don't no.
0: no preach yeah you know who you're talking to
1: yeah yeah I revisit this all the time um. So I guess another thing to notice about this book, um, if, you, if you got a chance, go back and reread Luther before mm-hmm. re- getting through this book and notice kind of the similarities, but also the differences. Luther is very much from Lex Luthor's perspective. There's a lot yes. of internal monologue. There's a lot of like reasoning out to himself why he's doing the things that he's doing. And it's really exactly how they sold it as a character study of Lex Luthor, who he is and why he does this. When they go to do that with Joker, I think very intentionally, they said, we can't get into his head the same way we can with Luthor. We have to do this from an outsider's perspective, someone who's close to him to kind of see him day to day and see what he's up to, but still as mystified by some of his actions as, as a typical comic book reader normally is. So that's one major difference from Thor to this book. It is a character study of Joker, but you, can, you can't really delve too deep into his psychological states without ruining some of the mystery and the intrigue of, of the character. Because that's like part of his allure is you don't ever yeah. know what he's, what yep. he's going to do or why he's going to do.
0: Totally agree, and that's a great point because I, in somewhere, I think they both had even mentioned with Luther, it was, it was different because it's almost trying, almost trying to make you feel sympathetic or empathetic to Luther because what he's doing, he feels he is the right thing,
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: how do we, how do we get on his side and understand this without the story being told through his perspective, no. so. I think they accomplished a goal there. And then, yeah, exactly. Of we, I, th- I think they'd mention of Joker is not somebody that we should be rooting for. And yet, no. people continuously root for the Joker. Yeah. No. We can't get in his mind because he's not as effective that way. And yeah, like you said, with somebody close to him. So then, the perfect startup point for this is uh, Johnny, Johnny Frost. Um, which is a great running gag that I love yes. throughout the whole thing, <laughs> yes, very funny. Of what's my name, Johnny, Johnny Frost? Well, Johnny, Johnny Frost, and then it's Johnny, Johnny the whole story. I love that. Um, yes. but this guy, he is one who is like, Oh man, I want to be just like the Joker. It'd be so cool to be like the Joker, get that respect like the Joker, like it's cool, the Joker's cool, and I think that that is a not to be hyperbolic, like that's a brilliant starting point for the story Yeah, is somebody that close dealing with them. And then you see this, like, I don't even know the correct way to try and describe it other than it's, it's not the story evolving per se. It's like, it's getting darker and darker Mm -hmm. and darker and a point of no return. Yeah. And this guy kind of did it to himself and I because he idolized the Joker and he yeah. wants to be him so
1: bad. And it's it's almost like it's a sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle indictment of people who do root for the Joker and mm-hmm. idolize the Joker. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I mean, and funny enough, this they've said multiple times that the design and the inspiration for this book was not related at all to the dark Knight movie that had come yeah. out that summer, but there was a lot of idolizing of the Joker <laughs> at that time. So yeah. this is, is a really interesting, you know, point in history for this book to come in.
0: <laughs> it is because we all loved Heath Ledger as Joker. And, and yeah. it's like, wait, but should you really be rooting for the Joker in the movie? No, yeah. you shouldn't. But wait, I laughed at some of the things he said and mm-hmm. also some of the points he made, I think are valid. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Am, am I in trouble? Like, uh Oh, <laughs> like what's what's wrong with me. And so yep. for us to say that I like this book, Joker, it's like, uh Oh, what's wrong with me. Um, yeah. But as having that, seeing this through the eyes of Johnny Johnny Frost, that really, I don't know. It's like they hit all the points that I think that are needed for, you know, for the joke. And of course there's different d- interpretations. This might be like the darkest interpretation of the Joker that I, I can't think of one that tops it.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, what you got? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I don't,
0: I don't think that like I'm, I'm all ears to, you know, I'm cycling through as many stories as I can right now in my head. And I mean, the Arkham Asylum Joker kind of was, but I mean, in it, he didn't really do that much. That was really depraved, you know?
1: There Um, were, there were some flashback scenes in Arkham Knight showing what he did to Jason Todd that were like kind of visceral, but, but even that, that that's, I think that's more impactful because it's a video game, but sure. As far as like stuff he actually does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it gets worse than what's in this book here.
0: What's in this one for sure. Uh, there's kind of, I like the inclusion. Um, as he makes his because we'll circle back to it, but I mean, the comparison of Joker being a disease is brought mm-hmm. up and kind of bookends the book. Yeah. Um, but he does visit other known characters in Gotham, mm-hmm. uh, very street, very grounded takes of Killer Croc, Penguin, Harvey Dent, Riddler and Harley Quinn, who I don't think has a line
1: of dialogue.
0: Uh,
1: she doesn't. And that's, <clears throat> that's something that I kind of wanted to bring up. So, you know, Azarello Bermejo, they're talking about, let's make a book where we explore Joker from a psychological perspective, but we can't do it too much. We can't do it in his head. So let's have another character do it for us. You've got Dr. Harlene Quinzel right there trained psychologist you don't have her do it instead you give that job to someone who's pretty naive and pretty you know doesn't realize how in over his head he is yeah um i mean do you have any thoughts about that narrative choice just from the get-go like relegating her like it doesn't you know she she's there as like you know someone for Joker to like turn to in a moment of despair, but Mm. she doesn't serve any kind of purpose in a book designed to explore him from a psychological angle, even though that seems like such a natural fit. I guess I I didn't give that much thought,
0: uh, but I, it did. I can't remember every time i read this, but I mean, this time in reading it, this is the first I'd really thought about in my memory of, Oh wait, I don't think Harley has any dialogue.
1: No.
0: Interesting. So it is. So then it does become a breaking down. Okay. So what's her purpose in this story? Hmm. Um, I mean, surprising probably everyone. She's a stripper. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, But then she's a, she's full on right there. Supporter of Joker as soon as he's released. Um. Yeah standing by his side through everything and not there isn't there's no conflict between the two on their relationship. No. She's the supporter. And um, again, and, and you know, there's no abusiveness there, like we saw in the animated series and sometimes in comics mm-hmm. from the, their old relationship either. So she's just there as his, You know, while Johnny Johnny thinks he's the right hand man, it's kind of like Harley kind of is actually because she comes through in important moments and, like you said, there for him in a moment of despair, uh, plays dress up at the zoo and reveals herself there at the end is is very crucial in that scene, Uh, Mm. and she's just she's in that scene a lot. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do more with her, yeah, um, to impact the story with what they were going for. But I don't. I don't think it's a missed opportunity, but I do think if they would have included her more, uh, it would have only benefited too. So that's a political Uh, answer of yes or no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know if it's a missed opportunity either, because I think that the book is, like we said earlier, is supposed to be from the perspective of someone who idolizes a monster and needs to get put in their place for it. And if you give that role to Harley, you might, You take away his layer of being a naive, you know, moron along for the ride. Um, And yeah, I I think it I think it was intentional. It's just something that I didn't really notice until reading it this time around. It's like, huh, you Mm. want to explore him from a psychological angle and you don't use like the most famous character associated with him who could very easily do that. Not that you should have, but you I think sure. you would have had to have chosen specifically not to yeah
0: uh-huh.
1: you know? one other thing this may not mean anything at all, but her her stage routine um, mm-hmm. it looks like she's actually putting her suit on <laughs> rather than a typical <laughs> stage routine. I don't know I don't know if I'm just like misreading it, but um,
0: no you're. I think you're right. I mean, she hops up on the stage with just the pants on. And yeah. then it does start to look more like, then comes the mask, then disappears. And then when she comes back, it's full, the full Harley Quinn suit that we kind of all yeah, uh, know and recognize. The classic Harley Quinn suit, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. It, it, I may be reading too much into it, but I do wonder if that's kind of like, it seems like a theme of this book is the way we present ourselves appearance wise and kind of Mm. the the things we Joker actually, you know, has a little bit to say about that to Batman when he shows up at the end. Um, Just the way that people intentionally present themselves and what they might be trying to hide and what they're actually, you know, revealing. So, I don't know, just an interesting (laughs) note there.
0: Speaking of character inclusions, I think also in that proposal from Mazzarello, he included initially that um you know ventriloquist well, scarface was was also yeah. an idea of a villain to include. I mm-hmm. think that's that's one that would have been interesting. I can't say that I miss it that it's not in there because scarface is to me it's, oh, hey, that's scarface. If it's just like an Easter egg in the background or something, I don't. Yeah. I don't necessarily like even in the the animated series, and then, um, I think in the Batman itself, like, I'm I don't go to the Scarface episodes. Yeah. I'm really, like, oh my gosh, I want to watch one episode, Scarface. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like, oh okay, Scarface. Yeah, sure, that's fine. It's, um, so I can't say that I miss. I miss him. I like yeah, the, um, of the other ones and their looks of the other. one. It's like Killer Croc and Penguin. Sorry, Abner. Uh, yes. Abner. Their appearances don't fully surprise me. Riddler's totally surprised me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think Riddler even in one of the variants that Bermeo did for Detective Comics recently. One of the final ones, I thought that his Riddler looked very similar from this story to that cover.
1: He didn't originally correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't really want to include Riddler or he didn't, he said he didn't uh, particularly enjoy Riddler mm-hmm. as a character. Is Am I getting that right?
0: Azarello or Bermejo?
1: Uh, Bermejo.
0: I, I I don't know why I asked who said that because I don't know. I've never heard yeah. that. So are you I'm, making stuff up, Trey? I oh hope my not. gosh. I hope start hope Start a website. Headline. I feel,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, f- I feel like somebody somewhere that I read recently I found that. said that well, they didn't look- they didn't we'll love that. Riddler, and they were not sure what to do with him. Gotcha. And for like, and for this book, like you know, making one leg you know limp as, uh-huh. as an excuse for him to actually have a cane, you know, was something. Yeah. And uh, maybe they said something about how he traditionally wears a disguise, and they weren't sure, like all these other characters wear, you know, suits and ties. And here's this guy who normally wears spandex and what would we do with him? Like how yeah. do we turn that into, you know, more of a traditional, you know, walk around on the street look. And mm-hmm. that's what they came up with. I actually love the Riddler's look in this book. I thought it was yeah. really, I loved it the first time I saw it and I was like, wow, I hope that this is uh, some kind of inspiration for a future adaptation I mm-hmm. think this is just a really striking, uh, cool way to present the character. Not that I don't love the Frank Gorshin spandex, but sure. Uh, I think
0: I think it's good. It's not my favorite, but it's definitely not my least favorite by any means either. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, though, <laughs> it's green. He's got question marks. That's all you need. That's the Riddler. Sorry, like, yeah. In the end, that's that's the Riddler to me, and he does ask a riddle. Yeah. So I don't know. He's three for three on their interpretation there with him.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I th- I feel like, so what's interesting to note is some influences in which I haven't watched it. Uh, influences that Romeo had with this Joker. Um, he brought up Chris Cunningham in the music video window Licker by apex twin uh i haven't watched it but i do see like i it, just like an image of it i can mm. kind of see um also he said which probably many know the black dahlia case that he'd read up and seen um you know crime scene photos of elizabeth short and that and the cut like the cut face and the yeah. smile and that that was impressionistic on him and then Christopher Walken in King of New York, uh, which I've never seen that either. Those were, I think, what he's mentioned, Bromeo's mentioned, those were like his influences on creating this version of the Joker. Um, I think the motivation of the story also makes total sense. It's almost, you could break it down a little bit of, you know, as they're talking about the story, okay, what's the baseline? What's the Joker doing here? Oh, it seems almost like while he was away this last time, um, you know, Gotham moved on without him yeah. and so now he's out like he's back to kind of claim his territory but then also just cause chaos because that's that's kind of his thing in which what do you, chaos is his territory
1: asked.
0: yeah and he, the fact that Arkham Let him out is pretty baffling um, yeah. I'm trying to find I forget where he said because I thought he even said at one point too of like you know You know, there isn't any more crazy or something, you know, along those lines of
1: Yeah, he says (laughs) um, because I think that's when he met Croc for the first or went back to Croc. That might have been it. Or wait, maybe this is when he first saw Abner. But yeah, someone asked him, like, how'd you get out? And he just says they say, I'm not crazy anymore.
0: Yeah. And
1: what
0: <laughs> no wonder it's a revolving door in and out of arkham if that ah, joker you're not crazy why don't you go ahead and have a night out on the town yeah. um, but i mean he's going back you see at first like a motivation and talking with croc um you know he, he shows empty pockets and so basically he needs the muscle which is croc yeah. and i think what's really interesting is so then there's this this guy, Monty, who we were introduced to at the very beginning of the story because he said Joker's getting out and Monty doesn't want to go get him. And that's where Johnny Frost says, I'll do it. And they end up back at the, the Grin and Barrett um, strip club where Monty's at there. And we see him now all, you know, sucking up to the Joker and everything. And he gets taken to the back with Harley and Joker. And he comes out and he ends up skinned alive in a very horrifying shot. Um, yes. But like Joker with him later with the guy Johnny Bang Bang, how he treats um, Johnny Frost. Um, and he even says with Frost of like how predictable and like boring he is. Mm-hmm. And I think he finds genuine humor and entertainment out of Killer Croc and Penguin. And then later on with Riddler. And yeah. Harvey Den is a little bit back and forth. Mm -hmm. but the fact that he left harvey alive goes to show too of like you do entertain me um that's why i think he that's why he never kills any of the batman's rogues i feel because Mm -hmm. they by them being messed up he loves how kind of entertaining they are they're pure entertainment whereas all these other low-level crooks are you know very basic and so therefore it it's they're it's just boring and it it, they mean nothing to him which is why he can he gets out of that meeting with johnny bang bang and as they go out and johnny frost even tells them of like that one well boss did it i'll be right back and then goes in hey johnny and then you see bang bang Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's some dark humor to that and then it is like oh i shouldn't be laughing but that's kind of funny yeah (laughs) johnny bang bang wasn't a good guy either so eh, eh, whatever (laughs) yeah yeah
1: no, I mean all the other villains like he they are entertaining to him. Yeah. I mean, he just he just uses them any way he mm-hmm. sees fit. You know, Crocus is his muscle and Croc seems to be okay with that. Um, you know, Abner is <laughs> is bullied into uh laundering his money, you know, uh-huh. Riddler he has Riddler steal something. Yeah, I, he I don't it's just again it's the mystery of why this guy does what he does. He, he, he just revels in the chaos and the, the anarchy of everything. Mm -hmm. I do remember. I I do remember hearing Bermejo say this, that he liked, I wonder if he even said it on this show. That would be interesting, but he liked to think of Batman's villains as like different. Representing different kinds of crime. Mm -hmm. So Joker. Joker kind of was the embodiment of just random senseless crime.
2: Mm.
1: Whereas Two-Face, you know, represents more like corrupt institutions, you know, uh, crime at like a political, you know, level. Yeah, Um, Penguin, you know, in this book represents uh, crimes in the financial sector, you know, blackmail and laundering money, things like that. You know, Riddler can personify, you know, uh, crimes at the, you know, Stealing of information, using it for blackmail, things like that. So, uh, you all you you see kind of them play those roles here, and Joker is just you know using it all to amuse himself.
0: Basically, mm-hmm.
1: he's just going through the city and reclaiming what's his, but um, just in a thoroughly disgusting and disturbing way.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he does take out the. Johnny Bang Bang, I'm gonna. Well, is, this was a drinking game of Johnny. Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be hammered. But with some of the stuff, so like you know, skinning Monty. Uh, he takes you know he seems sort of bummed that the bank robbery nobody died. Uh, yeah, yeah. Johnny he... Bang Bang he kills him uh, later. The older couple. That's that's where I think that I mean prior to that he's kind of the story had taken a bit of a turn i feel and it's got a lot darker and okay it's not funny now and that scene definitely you know was like a punctuation on that point mm-hmm. um well i guess prior to that even which I, I think we can talk about here in a second and breaks into yeah an apartment and you know johnny frost is what are we doing And jokes i said shut up and then you see it's an old couple in bed and they're scared and Johnny says who are these people Joker says who Who cares
1: cares? I mean the next
0: page is a bloodbath he's just sitting laughing spread out on their bodies Um, and then you can see too he's holding a razor that has blood all over and there's blood all over the place
2: hmm. and
0: it is just kind of like man this is and I mean Johnny Frost has realized then too of like this has gone too far um...
1: well and what what does he say to Johnny there he, I mean, he's he's kind of mentioned it a couple of times in the book at this point, but he says, I told you never to apologize. Mm-hmm. Apologies are like the thing he hates the most. And this is where I do think they are kind of peeling the layers back a little bit and giving mm-hmm. you a little bit of insight into who he is. I I think he does have this in common with with Ledger's Joker. He is just completely and totally amoral, mm-hmm. which is different from being immoral. Immoral means that you can recognize what's actually right and wrong and you just don't care. I think he goes a step further and says there, there is no right and wrong to this, to this world. It does not matter. You just do whatever you want to do. And everyone is just kidding themselves, thinking that there is such a thing as being virtuous or caring about other people or anything like that. And he's taken it upon himself to show like, no, it's just all about getting whatever you want, however you can, and entertaining yourself while doing so. And
0: that's, that's why a, you don't that's ever... a good
1: point. That's why you don't ever apologize, because no one ever actually does anything wrong in his eyes, because there is no wrong. There is no right.
0: It's a it's an interesting to think about... I mean, when you're dead, you sound like you can... Talk after fact, but if somebody went up and shot and killed him, the ghost of Joker would probably find that hilarious. Oh yeah, and I think that that always when they capitalize on that with with Batman is that Batman with Joker is always stuck in that spot because he's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't make any sense why you don't kill me. Yeah, but if you kill me, I win, mm-hmm. and if you don't kill me, I'm gonna break out and do all this again. So it's hilarious to me. And I think Mm. that there is a really, because this is fiction, that's a very interesting thing um, Mm. to explore. And I, yeah, I just, I love that point that you just made about him being amoral and that no, no apologies. Um, I want to ask you about, well, yeah, because this is part of that, of including him. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Dent. Hmm. His inclusion in this story. What is his position?
1: In this story. He represents. Going back to like. Him kind of representing the. Crime at the institutional level. He. I mean he's kind of stepped in. In Joker's absence. And you know taken over. Some of his territory. And he wants to run things. In a certain kind of. Predictable. Not quite as chaotic. Way it seems like. You know he's free he to, he's free though yeah. yeah
0: like is is that how you take it he's not like hiding out because I took of uh, the mansion that he's in he's going out in a robe and getting a paper in the morning yeah you know of like oh Harvey's free is he back to is he a DA again just at a different yeah. level or something or no he- I
1: think I think he's kind of like I don't know he's almost kind of like the in the position that someone like the Godfather's in or in the Batman universe, <laughs> someone like the maronis are in, where everything is running smooth. You know, I got my people on the street, like sending me money back. Um, I've got, you know, my kickbacks coming in. It's a whole like well-oiled organization and, you know, a thing that he's set up to run a certain way. And this is, you know, this isn't in the book. This is just me kind of reading into why the Joker might be so angry at him. Mm-hmm. Um, Because he set it up to just, you know, hum along and keep benefiting from it in a predictable criminal way. And Joker's just come back and is ready to just blow it all up.
0: It's funny that you said the Godfather, because I was going to ask you if you got Godfather vibe with that police officer that was shot in the head by Johnny Frost and they hang Hmm. from the tree. Yeah. (laughs) I totally got Godfather vibes. Yeah, from yeah that, that felt horse in the bed
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely sending sending a message
0: Definitely, uh-huh. it's not about the money it's about sending a message let's hit all the joker quotes in the rest of this okay all the big ones yeah. Let's... <laughs> yeah there you go um the the zoo confrontation meeting with with harvey so well leading up to that so what we just talked okay the the godfather scene if you will after that, I think Johnny Frost narrates about it seems like Harvey then goes on like a violent spree or is it Joker's crew, including Johnny, going on a violent spree or both?
1: Yeah, I read it as uh, Joker's crew going on the violent spree, just okay. trying to draw Harvey out, you know, yeah, um, trying to just force a meeting. Because earlier in the story, Joker had tried to call him, and Harvey yeah. wouldn't pick up the phone. And that's what led to Joker's like manic episode of just blowing up the- the You would answer me. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I read it as, you know, he's just trying to draw him out. But that's another thing about this book is it's not always very clear cut about, you know, there could be different explanations for what you're seeing in the panels. And, (sighs) you know, you just got to go with it.
0: Clear cut. So when he takes Joker takes off a glove at the zoo, that image, oh gosh, this is yes. the the painted Bermejo image where Joker's holding up his hand and he's got the glass all
1: through it, all the it, fingers. And it he, hurts it physically it hurts to look at this page. oh
0: my gosh, like it's almost one of his best images mm-hmm. uh and it's like the tough one of the toughest to to look at as well because it is it, it's almost like if you get an image where you know, something shoved up a nose, that's like, you can feel that seeing that image oh, yeah. or something yeah. in an eye or something, you can just feel like, ha! and you see this and they kind of shudder a little bit from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that conversation at the zoo, I find it interesting. Let's see. Is that the, yes, that's the big one. So I'm trying to think what my question was here. I'm an idiot. That's why I'm glad that you're on here to explain this book to me. I've read it a lot of times, and I don't understand what's mm-hmm. going on, Trey Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Harvey's... What's his angle here with bringing Frost into the equation?
1: Did not he want Frost to take Joker out at, <laughs> at an opportune moment? Like, he was trying to convince him. Like, that's his whole monologue to him. Like this that's kid, true. This mm-hmm. guy is going to murder So he says he's going
0: he's gonna to stand over you with bloody hands and laugh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, okay.
1: Yeah. You, you think you're you know, moving up the ranks or whatever. He is, he's just using you like he uses everyone else. And mm-hmm. as soon as you're not entertaining or whatever might occur to him, he's just going to be done with you. Mm-hmm. So it's in your best interest and mine, but mainly yours, to just take him out if you get if you get the opportunity and i don't know that that was that was my read on what harvey wanted johnny johnny to do um and that's why joker felt the need to then do what he did (laughs) after the confrontation with harvey Uh, and say now we're even that might be the
0: most disturbing part
1: yeah it, Which is really
0: it's it, it's a total, and I know this approach that Mayo I think feels this way too. Of with a lot of stuff, I know he's mentioned you know, I um, think he's mentioned Seven before. He that he loves the movie Seven,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Seven before I ever watched Seven, heard about this reputation of Seven just being so gory and messed up and um, you know gross and all that stuff to where my first viewing it was almost like disappointing because it'd been built up so much of like how much violence is shown in that movie. And so it's like, that's what my focus was the first time I watched it. And then it was like watching a second time and everything. I'm like, yeah, like almost all the violence in this movie is implied. Yeah. So it's completely left up to you as the viewer, which then ends up becoming brilliant and also becomes a whole uh, self check on how messed up your brain is. Yeah. <laughs> Not good for me, Trey, but mm. I bring that up here because we don't see the action. We don't see anything like that with him in the car. We see the aftermath, but you can put it together. And yeah. it is gross and like, uh, and Johnny at this point is also a defeated man. Um, it's his, it's his ex-wife who we, you know, we already were introduced to real quick in a flashback earlier in the, in the story, but it's still. Well, you know, it's,
1: you've already seen that she's trying to get away from him she wants yeah. to move on she knows that the road he's going down is a place that she wants no part of yeah so it's just even more tragic to see her just roped back into that world not of her
0: own doing she's trying to get not away from at all it. yeah um the point in the story that i think so there is i'm trying to think now what as i flip through Oh, it's after his meeting with uh, with Harvey that Johnny Frost is standing Yeah, he's standing He's, he's contemplating standing suicide. Up on, Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: the point in the book where I feel like he knows, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. And also, I can't get out of this. Mm-hmm. And maybe realizing, too, that he is a little screwed. And then he does pull a point with the I mean, the next page, even he tries to pull a croc, in which Croc yeah. later, you know, said, you know, Joker says, You're late. And Croc says to him, Um, that a problem. And Joker's like, No, you know, and it's fine. So then Johnny Frost tries to come walking in. And this is the rhythm meeting. And and Joker says, You're late. Li- you're late. And you know, that a problem. And what happens? He gets kicked in the balls. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, well, whoa, and another
0: thing to his head.
1: Well, another thing about this scene, like, <clears throat> I was reading it and I was like, okay, so what if he had said, oh, I'm sorry for being late. Then he gets kicked for, you know, apologizing. apologizing. There's, there's no yeah. winning. There's no winning when you're around this guy.
0: No, unless you would have come up with some kind of, I don't know, clever answer or something. But yeah, I, I think most, mm. most situations, whatever his response is, is going to not be good. Mm. So now we must bring in the Dark Knight himself, Trey.
1: And how Batman
0: plays... Go ahead. Let me ask. Okay.
1: Where did he first appear in this book?
0: I think he first appeared um, on the roof with the signal with Harvey. He's implied earlier, but I don't remember seeing him at all until the roof. So go ahead. Do you...
1: I think it's more than implied. Uh, I'm looking at... What is this? Page five uh it's the shot right after the, the the shot of joker walking out of the asylum gates and on the next page it shows it alternates between joker looking at something and then the gargoyles in a shadow and then joker looking away
0: you think batman's on arkham
1: do, do you see what i'm looking at it's no. like the second panel on yeah. that page, and oh. the, the word is "have to admit seeing him in person for the first time." Johnny, oh here. my god, Dre Jackson.
0: I have never, no, I never saw that. I just thought that was unique in the sense of he's just flipping off,
1: <laughs> flipping yeah. off Arkham, and Johnny even says like, "Oh, he's saluting the city." No, oh. I don't think he's saluting the city. He's he's flipping off Batman. Batman was there on that gargoyle and then lightning struck. Man, and on.
0: You're a brilliant man. No, I never, I never thought of that.
1: I think Batman is. I his, fully believe that he, that's him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Batman kind of hovers over this story the entire time. Yes. There's, there's another scene where uh, it's not as like clear as that one is to me. But it's when Joker and Johnny Johnny are driving through the city. Uh And and Johnny's like... He says, look out the window, Johnny. Tell me what you see. Mm -hmm. And Johnny's like, I see lights. And he's like, lights, huh? Joker says, those lights...
0: Boring and predictable answer.
1: Yes. Not
0: entertaining. Okay, carry on.
1: Uh Uh-huh. He says, those lights, they're just pinpricks in the dark. He's out there. And... I don't know what page this is, but you see, you know, the part of the book I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, he's out there. You know that, Johnny? Yeah. yeah. Right on the other side so, of the window.
1: I think, I think that that um, second panel down on that page, it looks like there's a cape blowing up on the roof there.
0: Well, don't you I, know? Batman is the shadows.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I think you're correct. Every yeah. shadow is Batman. But now I'm looking at that and I actually was looking at that right when you started to say that. That's what you got me doing now. I'm a yeah. better man now because of you, Trey. Thanks.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think Batman is kind of not just in the background, but like almost like hovering over the entire story. Um, I forget where I read or heard this, but someone described Batman's presence in this book as almost like, you know, righteous judgment like Mm -hmm. you know god looking down at someone you know doing what the joker is doing and judgment is just inevitable for them
0: it'll always make me question if that's the case if he really is because i just took the story as batman can't catch him until he catches him yeah so okay right there at arkham joker's just get in a car and going Mm. So now even that doesn't change my feelings now that you just showed me um this mind-blowing image that he was on Arkham watching him leave because then he's out before Joker even leaves. Yeah. So in this in this shot too, this is him watching, in which then it's a meetup in you know the La Bella Roma restaurant yeah. where Johnny Bang Bang goes bye-bye. Of, I would almost feel like Batman needs to interfere at that point. Yeah, um, I, I I wondered that too. So I, but I also like, I don't know. Because then as soon as when Harvey puts out the bat signal and tells him that like, you know, basically tells Batman of like, you know, pleads with him. You have to stop him. Batman kicks it into high gear. Then ends up at the hideout. Um, because Joker is a free man when he leaves Arkham. He is. So I guess Batman has to find, a time where he's guilty he needs brought in um, that maybe he can't he doesn't find the evidence until this it's just um when he shows up you know that's at the end of the story and that's when it, it, i took along from it you know there's the comfort in the rogues villains of having batman around actually yeah. Because Batman can keep things in check. They can go crazy and all that stuff, but there's a little bit of a safety net because they know oh, Batman's going to capture me. I'll go to Arkham. Mm-hmm. That's as bad as it's going to get. Whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, some of them, pending the story, feel remorseful and stuff after their actions. The Joker doesn't. Um, and at this point, you have you know one of the rogues, like, desperate of, like, Batman, you need to get him. You need to stop him because like we're we are doomed at this point. In which Batman says, okay, and makes his rounds crashes into Joker's hideout, where you see that he went in and got Harley, probably probably questioned her, then ended up at the at the meat and fish place where Croc and all of his dudes are um you know strung up, which is just like okay, Batman's there because in the next panel is both Joker and Johnny Frost like standing in the doorway and looking up. Looking out yeah. for him, and then it is all about and and like that's where Johnny says too of, and then I got it when we heard the laugh, or was it a growl? like that's where he felt like the almost he felt a little bit of like, oh shitness,
2: yeah, you
0: know, because oh, Batman's here, mm-hmm. which scares him like a shot of adrenaline for Joker Joker well, like that, but he loves it. he'd been
1: hoping for it. Like, yeah. even if you go back to the second time he met up with Abner, um, uh-huh. you know, Ab- Penguin Abner is saying someone is, like, really sore at you. Mm-hmm. And Joker says, really? That's wonderful. News. I just live to make him sore. It's what drags yeah. me out of bed. And Abner's like, no, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about <laughs> Harvey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Joker has just been... he. He craves that. And that's kind of, that's another thing that they kind of hint, hint at, show you in this book that he, he craves that attention. He craves that reaction that he gets from mm-hmm. the things that he does. That's, that's part of why he does it. It's not just to entertain himself. It's to get that reaction and start those, you know, chain reactions going.
0: Yeah. Um, Johnny starts laughing. Joker is like, "Snap, like, you know, shut up." And basically, this is where he says, "You have no charm at all; just obviousness. Disappointing, obvious. Shame on you." And then he looks up and he sees Batman now as an action, Um, and then turns, you know, turns on Johnny Frost right away, holds Mm -hmm. him at gunpoint, is like threatening between him and Batman. I'm like, "I'll shoot him," in which he does anyway. And then it's, you know, it's a uh, another Joker Batman battle, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you the inking of the blood on Joker's face yeah. I think that's Bermeo's mm-hmm. um, I think he's, he did it in earlier pages too it just really stands out here because it is kind of like black and white imagery but it's a unique style and he did it in Damned as well of abandons the photorealistic look when it comes to the blood on the Joker's face you know
1: hmm.
0: like yeah. i don't know i don't know if i if i like it or not i just think it always stands out to me cuz it definitely feels like a
1: massive separation in the yeah. in the art so it's like his face is got so many shadows on it in that in that that image right uh-huh. and if you rendered the blood to have those same shadows it's not quite as striking I would sure. think like I'm trying to imagine yeah, how it would look that makes sense mm-hmm. um so that's uh, that would that would be my you know first guess i am with you it's it is kind of an interesting choice um but I'm also wondering is that the the best option like if you had rendered it the same way you did everything yeah. else in the picture, how would it have looked what would that have how would that have turned out
0: yeah. And I mean, and it's interesting because I mean, look at the blood on Johnny's face where mm-hmm. he's coming up the side, you know, yeah, you see some blood, and it's I mean, you know that that's blood, but it looks like it's like it's black, so mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know, um, we'll never know because this is how it's presented, and then the two things of touching on. And it's the whole disease aspect. Hmm. The final words, you know, I see you, a disease, as Johnny Frost monologue. One that has been around longer than Gotham, the city infected. A disease that's older than any city. Hell, it's probably the same disease that built the first one. There will always be a Joker because there's no cure for him. No cure at all. Just a Batman. Yep. How does that hit you when you read that?
1: Well, it's, it's almost biblical. Yeah. There, there is something, it's like he's saying, there is something about human beings that makes them capable of doing such evil to each other.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's just there. It's part of what it is to be a human being. So. Rather than hope for that to just one day be totally eradicated because it's not it's not gonna happen. You have to just have something that stands in opposition to it, someone in this case that's willing to push back against it and never ever stop pushing back against it. That that's that that's my you know, that's how it hits me. How does it hit you?
0: I think it's appropriate um, in just thinking that and a lot of similar thoughts to what you'd you'd said of humans doing bad things to other humans is going to continue for the you know the rest of time yeah and it has happened since the beginning of time mm-hmm. Um and all we have are the people to stand up and try to intervene or lessen the damage done, mm-hmm. in which this case is Batman. Yeah. So I think that that, I don't know, that's a great punctuation on the relationship. It, it still just kind of blows my mind when we get new stories focusing on the Joker-Batman relationship and that they end up being home runs. Yeah, for you know 80 over 80 years now the two have existed and fought each other mm-hmm. and they're still coming out with so in that long span you know this was just 14 years ago and they hit they hit on that relationship twice that year uh mm-hmm. the dark knight and joker in ways that were only solidified like at the core like why these two characters work so much why joker is like the big guns to bring in in a batman story um, yeah. And that they should definitely use him effectively and not just overdo it with him. And which I yeah. think a lot of people are kind of at the point of like, we can take a Joker break right now, I think, mm-hmm. I feel. yeah, And which is, which would be fine with me because I want, I don't, I wouldn't want this story to have come out the same year that four other Joker Batman stories came out and this was yeah. the last one or something. Because yeah. it would have been overlooked, and then it's like, oh my gosh, you guys aren't paying attention. Which, I guess I I didn't realize how big of a of a deal this book had become, how it got like you know got so popular and so well received. Because, I mean, even in two thousand eight, is like, you know, still learning about Facebook and telling people, you know, Brian Lauer is watching The Dark Knight again. It was you know, my <laughs> Facebook status all the time. Yeah. I wasn't getting to measure how great like how this book was becoming such a big, a big deal. It was like way after the fact, you know, and just from hearing from the creators that the book sold and kind of blew DC's mind of, well, we didn't know this was going to sell like it was. But the last point that I was going to hit on too is the, the final image of when it says just a Batman and you see a figure falling off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, pretend damned has not been written yet. No. What did you who fell did you see when you read it?
1: I think if all you're looking at is this book, it's, it makes more sense that Johnny Johnny is the one who fell because there, he just is talking about how this battle is just ongoing.
2: Uh
1: Like there's always a Joker. There has to be a Batman. And that's just this eternal struggle that will keep going. And It costs him his life, you know. It throws him over the side of the bridge, but they keep going. That's that's why, that's why I thought it was Johnny, you know. Uh, Still, I I understand that it's been officially confirmed not to be. But if I'm just reading this book, that's still how I read it. What, What do you think?
0: I can't tell you how many times, you know, eyeball up to the page like. Okay, which one is it though? Because it looks like it could be Joker's long little trench coat, or it does look like it could be a cape. Well, or it's... maybe it's Johnny's coat. I don't know, because I think at one point I thought it was Johnny. Then, like he's he's getting up on the side of the bridge.
1: Yeah, I so thought it was Johnny jumping.
0: He's the closest. Like, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he's done. He's out. He just, yeah. And but then it's like there were parts of me I never thought that it was Batman. Yeah. Because you know he's the hero, he will never die because he's batman um never
1: yeah, that never occurred to me to think it could be him,
0: yeah, and so I don't know it was always it was always interesting, um and I never got to have like sit and have the conversation with someone so
1: thanks trey well can i can I ask you uh something why okay, why do you think that Batman's uh Answer to Joker, because Joker asked him, why do you leave half your face uncovered? His Batman's answer to him is to mock you.
2: Well, what, do you what do you think he means by that?
0: Like, I don't know. I think he... To me is that Joker can, I mean, there's a bit of mocking if the Joker's like laughing and, you know, it's almost like, I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to make you giggle. And then what's you get in response is a straight face.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. To show, I think that that can show to Joker of like, you're not getting me. Yeah. Um, That's a very literal interpretation, I think. Um, So sometimes I really am not that smart. So it is like, I tell me what to think and I'll think that. Um, and sometimes I don't have a better, uh, a better answer no, that, I and think, to me. I think that's like, that's all I got.
1: No, I think that is a good answer. It's like, yeah, I'm intentionally showing you that I'm not hiding the fact that I'm not amused by you. Yeah. I'm just not. You're okay. all, your desperate pleas for attention, you know, do, do nothing for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of read it and i because before that, he says, Joker's like, you leave that little window, a glimpse of the perfection underneath, not, you know, you're not a monster, like you dress up like one, but then you mm-hmm. leave us that little window that shows you're not. And I, I guess I kind of thought, okay, this is, is, is this another instance where Joker and Batman are like the perfect antithesis of each other because for yeah. joker you know he's got this horrible scar right there but the rest of him is dressed up like you know someone you'd see at a kid's party kid's birthday party you know mm-hmm. a clown he's he's dressed up except he's really a monster underneath but batman's dressed up like a monster except he's actually like a an, a real human being
2: underneath yeah
1: so It's like Joker his. and maybe I'm thinking too much of, you know, being too influenced by Ledger's take in in The Dark Knight, but Joker really genuinely believes that we're all monsters just pretending to be human beings to each other. And here's Batman who's pretending to be a monster who actually is a human being. It's kind of like a direct refutation of that.
0: That's why their their their
1: relationship
0: is so rich. Yeah, it <laughs> I, is. I love the total opposition. Yeah, and always clashing. I think it's. I just think it's poetic. Yeah, when it's not, when it when that's what they're trying when they're going. The storytellers are striving for the core of the mm. two, like moi, chef's kiss. It's always. Yes, I think it's always great. And mm. and that like by the, looking. I don't say like looking past, but maybe that's why I can say like, I like this book a lot. Mm -hmm. And someone, you know, on the surface could say, why do you like a book that is like very violent, very dirty, grimy, you know, has a bunch of, you're following a guy that you cannot root for told through the perspective of another guy you can't root for. There's not much to root for here. I think it's because how they do wrap it up. how it does go in telling you and showing you you shouldn't be rooting for someone like this
2: Mm -hmm.
0: like here's a guy who was and look at he got in close and he realized i shouldn't be rooting for this and then at the end is you know um capped there you go i don't know it's capped with that you know that punch of the batman joker um clashing that i just think that, that's the main source of like why I like the book so much. So I guess that's kind of like my my last thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, is there anything you we haven't touched on that you'd like to? And do you have any final words on the story? Anything?
1: Um, I mean, we could obviously keep going. We <laughs> there's, could. A, there's there's <laughs> a, there's all these little details and things yeah. to point out. Um, next next watch party, we'll have
0: to. There you go. Here, so there you go of a Joker session.
1: Yeah, yeah, there we go. Everybody bring um, your makeup. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I'm in the same boat. This, this book is, I really, really appreciate it. And I really like how they present that just eternal struggle between yeah. these two characters and what they represent. As harsh and tough as it is to get through, it, yeah. it is so on purpose. And... I can I can respect and even admire that, and I do. So, yeah, it's um, be careful. You know who you're around when you're reading it. <laughs> don't, <Yeah>. let, don't, <laughs> let, don't let any any young impressionable people happen upon you. Um, New, but but yeah, definitely. Um, good story. Another showcase for fantastic artwork.
0: Yeah, um, glad Not really. To talk about it. Understandably so really elevated Bermejo in the eyes of comic book readers. Mm-hmm. I think we were already getting enough of a taste of Azarello to know that he is a really good writer yeah. at this point. And you were, you know, you were either I feel like in on him or you weren't at that point. Because mm-hmm. he does a lot of you know very gritty crime stories and stuff that he had before this. And then but yeah Bermeo really elevated himself of like no this guy is this guy is good. Mm-hmm. Okay, people. Give him his own Christmas story, okay? Let him illustrate yeah. it and write it himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have to ask you a couple favorites. Yeah. You you know, you know they're coming. Yeah. So here absolutely. We go.
1: you're prepared. Uh, What's your favorite part of Joker? My favorite parts. Oh. Um I guess judgment, I would say no
0: judgment here. If it's a disc, if it's a bad part.
1: <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, obviously the fight at the bridge at the end with Batman is where it all comes together yeah. and really, really ties together the, the story to that point, but also the themes that I think they were going for. I think they put it all, all together really well right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, you know, I said earlier, I, I liked, I liked the look of Riddler in this book. I liked that he, he was really the only other rogue that interacted with joker that wasn't afraid of him yeah that just kind of didn't stand up to him but just wasn't intimidated either Mm -hmm. um so i kind of like that part um yeah but i mean the bridge fight at the end that's where that's where it all really comes together
0: i think that's i mean that's it for me too there are very impactful parts throughout the story but as far as you know go to a part that that you that you love you know in this book that's what i'd flip to right away yeah um in both the the art the fight and then the dialogue slash monologue you know um that's being said at that point too i think i think that's yeah that's my highlight how about a favorite
1: panel i'm gonna go with the full page uh on page four where he's leaving the asylum walking through the gates oh, yeah. that's uh that's such an iconic image i love the look of orcum in the background there um man that's just that's a painting right there
0: yeah there's like that's one that could be sold as a poster
1: yeah
0: maybe has been i haven't seen mm-hmm. it um just for the sake of more discussion I'll say I'll whisper. That's that that's my pick too. But I'm gonna say <laughs> that my pick, um, I don't know, because I mean there's a lot of really good stuff. The impactful one of the glass in the fingers that's done in the photorealistic look, you know, and that's like uh, simple, but the first panel of the bat signal in the sky. Um yeah. Like, yeah. that looks to me the Batman mm-hmm. now.
2: Um
0: yeah. that looks cool. The the panel of Batman, when he says, you know, to mock you, I, I just really like that's a close up, very shadowy Batman. Very impactful because you don't get to see his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I would say. I really love the Joker Harley.
1: Yeah, where he's a grin
0: and Barrett. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know,
1: asking so who wants to come here? along.
0: Yeah. Who wants to help me take it back? That's a, I don't know. It's a, like that's a good image.
2: Yeah.
0: And a book full of a lot of good images.
1: Hmm.
0: Would you like to see an animated adaptation of this book?
1: No. No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, don't beat around the bush. Okay. <laughs> I, it's nothing against the book, obviously. It's, I, I think you've talked about this before with um, other people that are, you know, talking about Bermejo art, I don't think that you could translate his stuff to animation very well without losing a lot of what makes it really distinctive. Yeah, Um, he's, we talked about this earlier, he's got such a good eye for shadow and texture on faces and clothes where the motion is all implied. And if you try to like put that in a picture and move it around the screen, Mm -hmm. You have to track where all those shadows go and you have to like actually create all that motion. So the viewer's not doing it in their mind anymore. And I just don't know that you could do that and it be as effective. So the art style alone, I don't know that would translate very well unless they went a super, super expensive route and did something like a rotoscoping. Um, Did you ever see a movie years ago called uh, a scanner darkly?
0: No, but I, I, I know what movie you're talking about because it yeah. has such an interesting look to it.
1: Yeah. I think maybe they could pull off a Bermejo inspired art style that way, but That's that would be call. way that would be way too expensive for what they're doing right now, I think. Yeah. Um, and even then, I don't know that it would work. That's just the only sure. thing I think you could you would even try. So Mainly for to not lose the distinctiveness in the art style, I I don't know that I'd want to see an animated adaptation unless they just really swung for the fences. Um, also, as we've said, the story is very harsh and difficult. Um, yeah,
2: it,
1: it would be it, it would it would be a, kind of a depressing hour and a half, two hour experience. I think uh, it would be yeah. good. I I think it could be done. Well, but I just like think- the Joker oh,
0: movie itself, the live action one of like, or maybe you don't agree. I mean, it was received well, but I don't know anybody who's just kind of like, hey family, movie night, let's watch Joker. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not a I'm, crowd pleaser.
1: <laughs> if if you'll permit me, um that movie was incredibly well done, and I really don't have a desire to see it again. Sure. Um, and I think that's part of. I think it's part of the, the intention. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't have a desire to see that again. Um, I do have a desire to read this book from time to time. There you go. I, I could I could skip back and forth between you know some of the short sure. parts. So.
0: It kind of blows my mind though. So Netflix, even though you know there were reports that they were scaling back their animation department or something, Netflix has a wide variety in animation. Mm -hmm. and stuff that they create themselves so it kind of does blow my mind that warner brothers animation doesn't do that for like the direct to video stuff um i like the dc animated movies like most of them and i've watched most of them uh hell there might just be like one that i haven't seen before but and there have been, I know creators have said this too. Of and they they weren't like uh, talking bad. It was almost like they felt bad for saying it because I know that there are people who work in that department that work hard on on the movies that are made, yeah. and it's not a slant on them. But much like visually, this book is such a standout. I don't think you should you should attempt to do it animated unless you're going for something that's a standout. Yeah. I don't know animation budgets. I don't know how you can do something different than what you're doing and have it be the same cost. I have no clue on any of that stuff, but I don't disagree with that either. There are certain Mm -hmm. books that stand out. So, you know, I mean, hell, Bermeo's work, Joker, Damned, uh, Noel, um, Morrison and McKean's Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Uh, I don't want those movies fitting into the style they're doing right now.
2: Yeah. because
0: yeah. they are very like all of them are the same style and they're different stories. And I loved the long Halloween parts one and two. Um at first, yes, I was kind of like, oh, okay, that doesn't resemble Tim Sales art all that much, but that's fine. I hope the story hmm. is good. And then I loved I loved the movie. Yeah. Um but otherwise, yeah. So I mean, relating that to Joker itself, I don't think I, I would want to see it done unless the look of it could be striking and different than what they're doing.
1: Yeah. I know that I don't know much about animation budgets and production either. I, I do know that hand-drawn animation is pretty much a thing of the past at this point. Yeah. And I think it would take that level of craftsmanship to even try. So oh, if you're not if you're not gonna do that, then don't don't do some cheap imitation of it. Because for this it- book. The art is the highlight. It's the standout. It I is. mean, not, not to like, you know.
0: Yeah, not to belittle Azarella or anything. Yeah, not but... to
1: belittle the story at all, but the art is what really stands out to you. For sure. And if you're so... not going to make that the standout of an adaptation, then don't bother with
0: it. You just said with hand-drawn, and it just instantly made me think of, like, 80s animation. Yeah. I don't know how expensive that would be to try and pull off these days. But it was hand-drawn stuff, a lot of it.
1: Yeah. And there's
0: such a cool, good throwback char- <laughs> What is it? The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. It's on Disney Plus. Oh
1: gosh, yes. I but I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: It feels so like comforting to go back to that because there's mm-hmm. something about that 80s style. Now it's yeah. hilarious that that's what I use as an example of do that style for Joker, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> Joker's but just it's... popping off gummy bears left and right. And, wah, wah, you know, whatever. but <laughs> there's something a, a gritty, like this could totally fit in like a grimy eighties vibe and look and like, guys, tell me that, like, tell me that's way out of the question budget wise. And it's hard yeah. to believe. Mm-hmm. I, don't
1: yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Go ahead but I'm with you the that's thrown back to that style yeah there's such an authenticity to it that is hard to replicate when it's mostly CGI these yeah. days um
0: <laughs> we have just put the adventures of the gummy bears on a pedestal an unreachable pedestal here on this show <laughs> peak animation was gummy bears on Disney plus Uh, The Batman book club is not sponsored by uh, Disney or any,
1: I don't know the legal terms there. (laughs) If we, if we weren't recording, I would sing the song right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I can't, I cannot afford a lawsuit. Okay. Please don't. (laughs) Um, Trey, that's, that's my final question for you, my friend. Um, I want to, I want to thank you one for saving the day back, uh, back in March um down in Texas but then also for for yeah accepting the invite and I know it took a, it took a few months to make it happen but um yeah I appreciate you choosing this book uh any book would have been good but uh good. yeah had a good had a good conversation so do you have anything at all that you want to uh, mention plug away
1: anything um I appreciate being able to come on thank you for the invite um I I was glad to chauffeur you guys around. That was a treat. <laughs> <laughs> that really was. Um, yeah, and I love the show. Glad to uh, be part of. Be part of it on this end. Um, I've never talked this much in a library, but we are in the Batman Library. We are. But I'm talking to the librarian. So I don't feel like I'm break any rules. Oh, uh, let's see. Plugs. Um, you can follow me on. Twitter, if, if that suits you, um, Trey Jackson 619. Um, I'm also hanging around in the Batman on Film Facebook group and the Straight Out of Gotham group. I've written a couple of op eds and features for Batman on Film. Yeah. Um, I wrote some back in the day. I think they're up on Superman on Film now, maybe. i have to check okay. with Mr. MFR on that. Um, but yeah, just. Come find me either on Twitter or in those Facebook groups and we'll chat. We'll talk about Joker and then we'll uh, have to talk about gummy bears to you know, bounce <laughs> it out.
0: Yeah. Finally, I've been waiting 120 episodes. It's like, when is the appropriate time to bring in the gummy bears? And we got it. Thank you. You're a magical man, Trey Jackson. Yeah. If you want to follow the Batman Book Club, uh, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman VC for upcoming episodes, um, new episodes, sometimes even some giveaways. If you would like to get some more content, subscribe to the Batman Book Club YouTube channel, where I'm starting to put up more consistent um, things up there, specifically The Road to No Man's Land with Peter Arvero, where we're exploring that massive omnibus. We're having a great time. Those are dropping once a month. Uh, check that out, as well as semi-recently, uh, I did a from script to script, from page to screen with Garrett Grev on the Batman Ninja Turtles movie. So yeah, check out the YouTube channel. Um, if you have any questions uh, or comments, you can write in, you can email the Batman at gmail.com. Got a very, very nice email uh, recently that I'll share some, some parts of it uh, upcoming. Cause he, the gentleman brought up some, some pretty good points as well. Um, if you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do it. Like I said, at the top of the show, patreon.com slash You can support the show with merchandise from T Public. Go to tpublic.com, Type in TBBC, as in The Batman Book Club. But if you want to support the show and you don't want to spend any money at all, that's 100% A-OK. Just rate and review the show. Uh, Wherever you listen to the show, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or any of those, just rate and review the show because the more reviews the show gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as Trey and I both know, the word is panic. So... For Trey Jackson, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time.